scripture reading comes from our third gospel we call Luke, chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Once when Jesus was praying by himself, the disciples joined him, and he asked them, Who did the crowd say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others that one of the ancient prophets has come back to life. He asked them, And what about you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, The Christ sent from God. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell this to anyone. He said, The human one must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and the legal experts, and be killed and be raised on the third day. Jesus said to everyone, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me will save them. What advantage do people have if they gain the whole world for themselves, yet perish or lose their lives? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. I assure you that some standing here won't die before they see God's kingdom. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We've been wrestling with questions. I hope. I hope. They're good questions. And I hope that they have affected you. When we wrestle with God, we, we tend to change. And I hope that the questions have been ones that have worked with your heart and your soul. The questions in review that we've been working with since the beginning of Lent. What are you looking for? Jesus asked. What is your name? Where is your faith? Do you see this woman? Do you want to get well? And today, who do you say I am? I want to walk through this passage with some context of how early readers would have read it, how the early people and characters in the story understood it, because sometimes we just get really far removed. We get used to using the same words all the time in our Christianese, that sometimes we use them and, and maybe lose touch with what they mean, or we, we don't realize that there are other possibilities for what they mean. So throughout Luke's gospel, the identity of Jesus has been touched upon indirectly by the other characters. Now, Realize that if you were a first century person in Asia Minor and in Greek territory reading this story for the first time, you might read through the beginning and this miraculous birth and wonder, what does it mean? And then you might see healings and you might say, who is this? And then they might hear him forgive sins and think, can a person do that? And you wrestle with these questions and we come to the passage today where Jesus directly confronts the disciples with identity. And we think of the first readers that didn't have creeds to rely upon. They didn't have doctrines. They didn't have any Christian scriptures. They didn't have traditions. They were coming at this 
with a curiosity. Who is this Jesus, and what does it mean? They had the story orally for a while, and then it began to be written down. And so the question of who is Jesus of Nazareth would have been hopefully quite natural for those who are being told this grand story. And we have many titles in the Gospels themselves. Here are some of the titles. Christ or Messiah, it's the same, the same word. King of the Jews or Israel. The coming one. Lord is used quite often. Son, son of David, teacher or rabbi, the same word, prophet, servant, son of God. I want to stop on this one for a minute. Jesus never refers to himself as son of God, not once. Kind of interesting, isn't it? People refer to him that way. We hear God proclaim sonship, but Jesus only refers to himself as son of man or as human one. And Jesus is the only one that refers to himself in that way. Peculiar. We find it in the story today. Peter says, you're, you're the Messiah sent from God. And Jesus says, ah, the human one must, and proceeds to tell the story. We might add some other titles that we've come to know. Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, Prince of Peace, and maybe Conqueror. And this is one I want us to kind of hold in the forefront of our minds today. There's there are a couple words in our scripture for conqueror or to conquer. And one of them, to conquer, is with a sword. To go to war, to conquer. And the other one is nothing to do with a gold crown, just to do with a, a green crown that you conquer by finishing the race. You persevere, is what's often said. That's the one we find most often in our New Testament, is this understanding of perseverance. Even despite suffering and setbacks, we persevere and we finish the race. Other titles we might struggle with with Jesus is Jesus the sufferer. Jesus the rejected. Jesus the killed. Jesus the raised. Always he refers to himself in this passage. Some of those are great. We like Jesus the raised. Jesus the killed. Sometimes we have to sit with that one. Some understand Jesus as the kingdom of God in flesh, that Jesus is the kingdom of God, and the way of Jesus brings the kingdom of God about healing people, calling people into a new way of life, giving birth to God's way on earth. Another way we say this is Jesus is the word. You've heard this. John says this quite often. Jesus is the word. The word for word is logos or logos, and it means logic, and it means the sense of, making sense of. So Jesus is how we make sense of the nature of God. Jesus is the nature of God in flesh. Jesus is God. The Word was God and was with God, and the Word came to dwell among us in flesh. Amen? So if you want to know what God is like, Jesus reveals that fully. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the way, the kingdom, the reign of God. And the idea, if you follow that particular way, is if you live into the way of God, then you live into the reign of God. You follow Jesus, and you participate in the kingdom here and now, and you'll also participate in it later when Jesus returns and brings the fullness of the reign of the kingdom upon all of the earth here. Amen? Amen? All right. So if you live the life of Jesus, you live the reign of God. 
Jesus describes this way in our passage today, verses 23 through 27. I'll read it again. He says, All who want to come after me must say no to themselves. Take up their cross daily and follow me. This is not the kind of battle cry you give to people you want to follow you, is it? Say no to yourself. Pick up your cross. All who want to save their lives will lose them. But all who lose their lives because of me will save them. We have no advantage if we gain all the world and yet lose our lives. And if you're ashamed of Jesus and Jesus' words, the human one will be ashamed of that person when he comes into his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. And he says this, I assure you that some standing here won't die until you see the kingdom of God. I don't know that we often talk about it that way. You're going to see the kingdom of God. Do you believe it? Understanding the way of Jesus can't be really fully understood until we understand the who of Jesus. And in Luke's gospel, there have been plenty of attempts. So people have uttered these things in the gospel so far up to this point in chapter 9. Who is this? Isn't this Joseph's son? Who is this who insults God? Only God can forgive. Who is this who eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? Who is this who breaks the Sabbath law? Who is this great prophet? Who is it that can forgive sins? Who is this that commands the winds and the water and they obey him? And then Herod in the story previous to this passage says, who is this I'm hearing about? We're given a strange account about how even Jesus struggled with his own identity. Stay with me for a minute. This is, we don't talk about it like this very much. Jesus was tempted, yes? Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted. Right before he went into the wilderness, he was blessed by God, and God said, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved. And then Jesus goes to the wilderness, and he wrestles with three understandings of what it is to be a son of God. So the questions are essentially this. Will you be a son who satisfies his own appetites? Will you turn that stone into bread? Jesus says, no, I'm not that kind of son. Then he's asked, will you be a son who seeks to rule the world with power and might, conquering by serving yourself? And Jesus says, no, I serve God alone. And then he's asked, will you test God in a spectacular show of power in God's temple? And Jesus says, no, I will not put God to the test. But with each thing he was asked, he was tempted. Amen? That's a little harder. Pharisees, family and friends, tax collectors, sinners and disciples have all asked who Jesus is. The only people that know who Jesus is are the demons. Yeah, that's a weird one. The demons all call him son of God. They know who he is and why he's here. To understand all of this, who Jesus is, how to follow into the way, we have to understand who he is to us. And so we come to the passage today and, and Jesus asks the disciples, in my opinion, kind of a playful way. And so I'm going to present it that way. I'm going to imagine that this passage is written like a screenplay. So we're going to add a little bit of, of uh, things to the scene. This is Joe speaking, okay? But stay with me here. So let's imagine. So Jesus is praying by himself. 
probably on a mountain or a hillside because he's done that many times in Luke and anytime anything important happens, Jesus is praying somewhere up high. He's praying by himself. Enter the disciples. There he is. And Jesus turns and says, who do people say that I am? And I imagine the disciples might have thought, hmm, am I going to get the answer wrong? Is this a test? Should I answer? Do I answer what I think? Do I answer what the crowd thinks? And the crowd is different than the disciples in the Gospel of Luke. The crowd are the people that go where Jesus goes, but they don't follow him into the way. So they, they answer in the way that the crowds did. And they say, John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others say other prophets. And I got to wonder if that was what they thought and they were kind of pushing it as what the crowds are saying because if Jesus said, really, Elijah? They'd be like, hey, it's the crowd said it, right? I mean, it's not really, you don't really invest yourself if you can talk on behalf of other people, what the things they've heard. And I've got to think that they were maybe excited because they've been asking, who is this? And now we're talking about it. We're going to find out. I've been waiting for this. The people have been waiting for this. Here we are. It's finally going to happen. And all of that, the identities they offered, John the Baptist, Elijah, and other prophets, particularly Jeremiah, is thought because all these are tied to the kingdom of God and the great day of the Lord coming, the changing of ages, as they would say. John was thought to be a Messiah by people that were around him, and he was ushering in the new age. Elijah is supposed to have been coming to usher in the new age. So maybe it was Elijah. Jeremiah was thought to be coming back before the great day of the Lord. Perhaps it's Jeremiah. And I can imagine the excitement, the conversation, the energy, the adrenaline, the hearts pumping. We're going to find out who he is because we've been asking and we've been seeing these amazing things. What does it mean? What does this mean for us? What's about to happen? And then Jesus lowers the boom. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And I've got to imagine it was as if Jesus asked somebody to lead prayer. Silence. Thank you. That was a joke. Have you ever been in a place where someone says, someone lead us in prayer and everyone suddenly very interested in something else? Right? Yeah. I imagine the disciples kind of like that. I don't want to answer this question. What if I'm wrong? I'm waiting for Jesus to tell me. I can imagine silence and exchange of glances. Lifting up the various identities given to Jesus by the crowds was a safe place to be. You don't have to really invest yourself or commit. If Jesus were to have said, I'm not John the Baptist, the disciples could have said, well, that wasn't my idea anyway. But now they have to answer. And Peter, oh, I love Peter. Peter just goes for it. Right or wrong, Peter goes for it. And Peter says, you were God's Messiah. I'm the Messiah or the Christ sent by God. That's who you are. And I've got to imagine that excitement returned. Someone said it. They said the M word. We've been waiting. We're so tired of Rome ruling us. We're ready to be a great nation to fulfill the promise that's been said for all of the Old Testament. We're ready for the Messiah to come, another David to come and lead us. And here it is. And Jesus says, don't tell anyone. And I imagine another bit of silence. 
And I imagine James and John over here who maybe been talking about who was going to sit on his right and left when he conquered and was on his throne. And, and now they're like, don't tell anyone. Why would we not tell anyone? And then Jesus says, the human one, and he offers an explanation of the way. We need to understand that when we hear the word Messiah, and we heard Peter say it, we're probably thinking, well, duh, Peter nailed it. So why does Jesus say, don't tell anyone? I imagine it's because people of the day were picturing a conqueror Messiah, like David. Or we read in today in Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, where the Persian king Cyrus was God's anointed, who was ready to be, anointed means Christ or Messiah. This Persian king was releasing Israel back to their land and letting them go free and giving them lots of money to do it. They were released. They were a nation again, because that's what a Messiah does. And it's as if Jesus says, I didn't come to do that. Don't use that word because people have their other understandings. And if you're not following me, what does Peter do when they come to arrest Jesus? What does he pull out? And he fights because that's what he thinks Jesus is here to do. He doesn't get it yet, which is why Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Don't think you quite understand the kind of Messiah I am, what kind of freedom I've come to bring. In two other gospel versions of this story, Peter responds from the perspective of Messiah as conqueror with the sword. And so when Jesus says the human one must go and suffer and be rejected and be killed and then rise, Peter says, no, no, Jesus, that's not the story. And Jesus responds to him, get behind me, Satan. You're tempting me to be a different kind of Messiah. Get behind me. In the Luke story, we don't have this little instance with Peter. Instead, Jesus launches in to what his way is all about. And I can imagine the silence of the moment. I must suffer things and get rejected and be killed and be raised. Wait, wait. That's not what the Messiah is, Jesus. The Messiah conquers. And the Messiah certainly isn't going to be rejected by the, the leaders of the religion who have been looking for you, who know exactly what the Messiah is. The Messiah certainly isn't going to be killed. Messiah's win, Jesus. And then Jesus turns to the audience in the passage. It's very clearly to us. Jesus is talking to the disciples and then turns to the reader and offers, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow me. I assure you that some standing here won't die before you see God's kingdom. Who do you say Jesus is? We might use titles and traditional images, but what does that mean for you in the everyday life? What does Messiah mean to you? Conqueror? Or the conqueror who finishes the race regardless of the suffering? Who is Jesus when life doesn't go the way you planned? Who is Jesus for you when you find out you are sick and you may not get well? Who is Jesus for you when someone you love is threatened by mortality? Who is Jesus for you? 
Who is Jesus when you are trapped in an addiction? Who is Jesus in your relationship with your family, relationship with your friends? Who is Jesus in your relationship with those you call enemy? Who is Jesus in your relationship with those who call you enemy? Who is Jesus to your womanhood? Who is Jesus to your manhood? Who is Jesus for your neighbor, your Christian neighbor, your Muslim neighbor, your atheist neighbor? Who is Jesus for the broken, the hopeless, the destitute, the poor, the imprisoned? How do you embody your understanding of Jesus? How do you live into this way? How do you live into it in your desires for life, your ambitions, your quests? How do you live into it with your votes, your conversation, your disagreements? How do you live it? Do you seek to conquer or do you seek to finish the race despite the hardship? Seeking to lose your life, to pick up the cross when it comes, to see the kingdom of God now. Have you claimed who Jesus is to you? If Jesus were to ask you, who do you say that I am? How would you respond? And have you shared with anyone lately who Jesus is to you? Beyond titles that sometimes don't quite connect with our understanding, especially those who don't speak Christianese. Do you really share Jesus by saying what others say about Jesus? Sometimes we do this, don't we? Jesus, to me, has been a companion and a friend every step of the way. I have stumbled. Oh, man. I have stumbled. But Jesus never left me. Jesus is my assurance that I don't have to have it all figured out. That I don't have to have all the answers. That I don't have to participate in arguments about proving God. Or That's not Jesus. That's me trying to conquer. But Jesus sits and waits. Says, when you're ready, I'll engage with you. I'll teach you. When you're ready to let go, I'll show you what true love, agape love is. When you're ready to go and represent me and carry my name to others, I'll be there with you. Yeah, you're going to mess up. That's okay. I've given you my grace. Just keep going, Joe. When you reject me, I won't reject you. I won't turn from you. You can turn from me and, and live into that for the rest of your life. I'll let you, but I'll never turn from you. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the nature of God and flesh. I want to know what God is like. I see it in Jesus. And I see it in you. Jesus comes through in you all. I see Jesus all the time. And oftentimes that's heavy. But Jesus says, I love you. You're my brother. We can do better. You can be more. You don't have to be who you've defined yourself to be. You don't have to be 
the person you're afraid you are because of some of the things you've done in your past. I can give you more than that. That's who Jesus is to me. We can use the word Messiah, Savior, Lord, and that's all well and good. But I see Jesus as my companion. So in your world and in your situation, in your, your body, your mind, your spirit and soul, and you as you are uniquely you, today, tomorrow when you're in conversation with somebody, or you're watching the news about how the other side got it wrong again, who do you say Jesus is? Jesus.